Hi, welcome to another episode of Northwestify Podcast with myself, John Clary, Director of Software Development at 360 Insights, and my co-host, Zach Giorgio, owner of Chroma Recruitment. You know, we're always on the lookout for people from the Northwest tech and business community um, to bring you their stories, you know, insights. Last week, we spoke to Victorious Bond from Space HR. And if you missed that one, be sure to download it from wherever you get your podcast from. Um, and this week, we have Kevin McGinnigal, founder at MD, and Lewis Pollard, lead dev um, from Positively Distinctive Media. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us, John. Good to meet you, everyone. Yeah, thank, thanks for coming on today, guys. Um, really want to find out all about positive distinctive media. Can I just call it PDM? Is that what you call it? I'll uh, I'll definitely get it wrong if I try and say the full name every time. So guaranteed, yeah. Try try spelling it, John. Every time you've got to spell it out. <laughs> you might as well put the word definitely in there if you really want me to misspell it. <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant. So I'm going to start with you, Kevin. So just tell us a bit about yourself. Like before before PDM started, what were you doing, and and kind of how did you get to this point? Uh, so I got into the, so we're a marketing technology company in the gaming and entertainment space. So um, how I got into that industry, I was about 21, 22. Um, I was living in Leeds at the time and I found a, uh, a job online working from home. So I was like, great. I'm quite lazy. That sounds great. I can uh, sit in my room and play on my computer and get a job and get paid for it was my initial thought being really honest. And I took the job and it was effectively a, a bingo chat host. So I used to sit in my room chatting to players who were playing bingo. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but that defined my uh, future of the, of the gaming world. And I actually came across that job at half one at night on page like 26 of the Job Centre website. So I was just bored. I couldn't sleep looking for a job. That came about and literally that changed my entire life. So it's a bit strange. What, so what, sorry, tell me what, what does the host do? Who, do, who are you talking to one-to-one to people who play bingo online or is it, are you the yes, host? As simple as that. No, a host. So you imagine you're playing bingo on this side of the screen. You're chatting on this side of the screen. I was a host on this side of the screen, entertaining people through chat. So I was of the MSN era, as people call it. Um, so I could type really, really fast. I'm Scouse, so it's not hard for me to just waffle on. Um, and yeah, it was like the world's easiest and perfect job. Well, it didn't pay very well, but I didn't really care because I was from home. So I was making all sorts of cyber friends. It was great. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Did you? Did anyone miss like house or line whilst you were like sort of talking? No, it's automatic. So everything online is done for you. So all you need to do is, is just keep keep the crowd going, play some games with them, give away some points. Um, it was really fun. It was really fun. And you actually built up proper relationships and a proper community because um, back then it was all desktop so mobile wasn't really a thing so you had a nice big screen so people actually engaged in the chat and it's changed now it's like an 80-20 split now 80% on mobile but back then yeah the chat was like you could have 100-200 people on at any one time like conversing so you as an individual were trying to control that environment with all those people talking it's great amazing Brilliant. And so then Positive Distinctive Media, when did that come about? What was, did you have enough working for someone else? Just have this uh, light bulb moment? Uh, no, so that was so when I got that job, that was 10, 10 years ago, yeah, about 10 years ago. Um, it was for actually what became a very successful white label gaming company. So um, it's actually where we met Zach um, with one of our developers. So we started with three people in a kitchen at that, in that um, business. And then it ended up being quite successful because our model was slightly different in that we wanted to interact with the players, like I just said, and really get to know them and build real brand community. 
And that sort of shifted into a different model. We, we ended up with 140 different online bingo slot and casino websites over the course of about seven years. And so my role pretty much went from chat host in my bedroom to working my way up through to ops director and, and pretty much acting MD. Um, and then the company was acquired uh, by, by a PLC. Um, and then after about 18 months of that acquisition, I was looking to move on because I'd had my own sort of ideas on on the industry and where I wanted to take it. And also going from an owner-managed business to working in the PLC after 18 months, I don't think I could have done it any longer. So as I was making that sort of step out, actually, we were all made redundant uh, for one reason or another. I won't go into on this call because we will be here all day. Um, but yeah, so I stuck around for the last six months, helped everybody sort of, well, not just me, we all helped everyone get jobs. There was about 40 staff at the time. Um, stuck around right till the end, almost like um, on one of those TV shows where you shut, you see them locking the door at the end of the show and it's all done. Um, sort of sh- shut up shop job and that was it. So it was perfect timing for me because it was a lot of people made redundant who I had pretty much trained or hired or recruited. And then there was a select few of them I had in mind over the next 12 months. This was back in the tw- end of 2018 um, that I wanted to sort of see if they wanted to come on this journey. And lo and behold, they did, which is great. That's amazing. And can I, yeah, can I bring you in then, Lewis? Where, um, so obviously, thank you for coming on as well. And what was your kind of journey before, you know, joining the company? What's your journey kind of into tech? Like how, when did, when did you first get the tech bug? Uh, you know, is it a lifelong thing or a recent? Yeah, absolutely. A lifelong thing. I think I've always loved coding since I was like a little boy doing was it basic code on a computer that had two colors, like orange and uh, dark orange. Those were the colors. I, I graduated software engineering in 2012. So that's, I'm, I'm a kind of software engineer. My first kind of real tech job was at IBM. Um, there's a big software lab down south in Southampton. And during the course of that experience, I realized I didn't really enjoy working at such massive kind of organizations, similar to what Kev said there, that and I kind of started working at smaller and smaller companies until I was working at a company called Spike Games, doing kind of similar content, gaming content, which had uh, three or four employees at the time. And we were looking to do a contract for PDM doing a game. And then a similar thing happened where it got made redundant and Kev and Dave reached out to offer me the kind of contract directly, basically, as, a, as an employee. So that's what I've been doing since then, yeah. Fantastic. Um, and so it sounds like you've had an interest in the gaming sector for a while. Is that, I presume, that's by chance, maybe? Or, you know, or once you were drawn into it, you just, like, loved it? What's the, what's the story there? Yeah, sort of by chance. I mean, I've always loved game development in general, um, this particular kind of niche of game development is, well, I don't know how much you know about kind of like mainstream games development, but it's very stressful and kind of underpaid in a way. So this kind of area of gaming is actually a lot healthier, I think, because there's less stress, there's more kind of well-defined goals, there's less uh, kind of madness in terms of licensing and all the kind of strange markets we have now with app stores and things like that, that, yeah, this is a lot a lot more uh, kind of less stressful, actually. And in relation to obviously games, you, you, you're losing something there. What, what sort of what, what are you using at the moment? What languages are you coding in? What what's the difference then? You know, in relation to what you're doing here, than you would do working for just any other sort of business from a development perspective. Yeah, so we, I guess we're sort of targeting a much wider set of devices. Like if you're working in traditional video games, you tend to be targeting people with very powerful devices. 
you know, gaming computers, consoles, that kind of thing. Um, and this is really, you know, the target audience probably don't have those kind of devices. So in those traditional video game roles, you're going to be working in C++, you're going to be working on sort of 3D game engines like Unity or Unreal. Um, for this in particular, we're, we're using JavaScript, we're using React. Um, so it's a very different tech stack for the kind of animation and presentation, things like that. Right. So it's like React on the front, PHP or, or Node on the back, something along those lines. Yeah, Node on the back, yeah. So we have uh, kind of a Node gaming server that does some server-side rendering, delivers the React bundle, and then a bunch of like animation technologies on the front end as well. Cool. We've sort of jumped into the tech side of it. I want to maybe go back a little bit more about what the product is and, you know, a bit about the sort of the games you, you build and who you, are they all for? They're all your own or do you, you know, white label or that? So maybe that question for you, Kevin. Yes. Yeah, so we're actually only in the process of building one, one platform at the moment, which will hopefully help us release multiple games um, over the course of this next uh, decade, I guess. Um, the, it's not, the traditional model and it's not a traditional game and everything's been a little bit different and it's all come off the back of trying to combine the fun and excitement of game shows with the traditional fun and excitement of bingo and i say that in a sense of more retail so when you go into a retail bingo hall they used to, it used to be all, it used to be a show it used to go in for the entertainment piece um, and so we're trying to bring that online which i've not really seen much of in the online space since it's been going all those years in the uk especially Cool. And is gamification something that you're interested in as well? So like gamifying products for clients or is that like too left field for you? No, yeah, we do that as well. So there's two parts of our business and we're actually going through a corporate restructure, which we'll probably um, announce in a month or so. And um, we're just putting the final bits on that. And what you'll, what the market will clearly see is one, we've got real money game, game shows. And then the other side, we've got some free-to-play sort of gamification mechanics, um, which is almost like a different product. Yeah, very good. So what kind of trends are you seeing now in the market? You were saying that this bingo, you know, you're not seeing this live interactive bingo in, in the way it, it used to be. So is this a, a trend and what other things are you starting to notice? Um, in this gaming space specifically, there's a, there's a huge uh, company called Evolution Games, which are really um, setting the trend for live games. Um, and everything they do has a, a presenter um, and a live um, sort of machine, whether it's a ball coming out of a thing or a, a wheel that spins and everything's live. So you can interact with the host and just talk to people in the chat room. They're really setting the, the trends now and other people are sort of trying to copy and replicate them, all the other big boys in the industry. But it's still quite an aggressive model. It's very much live casino. So you can stake high amounts and it's very volatile games, lots of big prizes that can be won. Whereas we're going down a more softer approach and keeping it more towards low stakes, mass volume, um, and really focusing on the entertainment piece and making it more like a game show rather than a slot game or a live casino game. So it's all about the fun element is how you're going down it rather than sort of the hardcore gambling element that some of these businesses are sort of heavily involved in. Is that, is that right? Yeah, for sure. You could, you could say it's more akin to lottery and bingo than it is anything else. Um, right. You generally ask, a bingo player or a lottery player, do they gamble? They might say, no, sometimes I play bingo, sometimes I play the lottery, and sometimes I'll gamble on football or something like that. They don't really connect the dots with gambling and lottery and bingo. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're slightly uh, different in that regard. Yeah, I can see that. You can see that, can't you? I mean, you know, so many, my, my, my wife has, has never gambled in her life. However, she'll put a ticket on the lottery every now and again. 
yeah. normally when I'm trying to build an extension. But anyway, that's a different. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, Lewis, walk. So let's come back to the tech then. Is it what what kind of challenges do you see on the kind of platforms that you're building? You know, is it the kind of the the is it a volumes issue? Is that where it's at? Yeah, I mean, we've tried to make good decisions from the start, basically around what platforms we're using, how we're hosting it, how these things bring together. I think the main issue is just uh, being able to deliver these kind of fun experiences, these very live, uh, low latency experiences with lots of animation and lots of kind of you know interesting and fun effects to so many different devices because we are targeting mobile and desktop as everyone does now. And you know, just a kind of regular website has many challenges for getting it to work nicely on a mobile the same way it works on the desktop. So delivering this kind of game experience to those same platforms is, is very challenging and making sure that everything runs smoothly and everything's efficient. As Kev will attest, when he tries to demo the game to people, it makes his laptop kind of slow down quite a lot when he's trying to sort of screen share and show the game, for example. So yeah, there's quite a few challenges. Other devices or you know browsers that you steer away from, you know the the whole horror of IE, and any developer will tell you, for God's sake, don't make me make it work on IE. But you know it's a mass market tool, mass market product that you've got. Do you um, is that something you have to deal with as well? Thankfully not. IE, did you see that got officially killed off recently? Like just in the last few days, they've officially abandoned really? Microsoft. Yeah. That doesn't stop people using no, it, no. you know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. But yeah, that's one That's one you're allowed to skip, yeah, thankfully. Yeah, I mean, our, our libraries and things don't officially support it, so we kind of don't. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. Perfect. And just going into, I mean, obviously, we've talked a little bit around the tech side of things, and you know, I'm sure John's got a lot more questions for you, Lewis, and stuff like that. And But to you, Kevin, you're Greater Manchester based. You've been around um, for 10 years now in this area what sort of changes have you seen in you know you've been involved in growing a business right the way through to sale now you're growing your own business what sort of differences and changes have you seen in the industry on the sector that you're in or not just necessarily the sector but just generally tech in in the northwest manchester region particularly uh, I'm not massively familiar with the tech scene, if I'm honest, because it's not my bag, it's my business partners. But one thing that I've definitely seen a change in is, and obviously everybody's seen this, is in the social media and the way we do marketing. So back when we started, Facebook really was, back in the day, Facebook wasn't really a thing. Twitter really wasn't a thing. TikTok never existed. Snapchat never existed. So what we're finding is now there's all these new marketing channels that are out there. I haven't got a clue about them. I don't use them. I'm, maybe I'm a bit too old for it. And, and I, <laughs> our two, we've just hired two new apprentices. One of them is 18, one of them is 21. And it is really eye-opening to see what the world looks like now. Because um, back when I was 18 and 21, it was not the same. And the trends in that sort of... I mean, that's just life, isn't it? That's not really anything. That's just life. The world has changed massively, not just in the Manchester area. In, in the, I guess that's more of just a social thing. Yeah, it's super interesting you should bring that point up. A lot of people don't actually bring that point up on, on, on the show. We generally talk about tech. However, you know, I think you're absolutely right. You know, when you look at some of the online businesses that are super successful, you know, they're paying thousands, probably millions of pounds to influencers now, aren't they? You know, whether it's to wear their clothes, whether it's to drive their products, you know, people are making I mean I find it quite funny that you say you're too old. I feel exactly the same. A bit like, are you really paying that person that much money just so they can promote something? But they are, and it's smashing it, and people are really sort of driving it forward. So, you know, is that 
why you've decided to take on the apprentices to really drive the brand forward, to really drive the business forward. Is that is that is it on that basis? Uh, well, no, we took them on because my personal sort of view on life is you should always try and give back and give people a chance. And I was very fortunate to get a chance from from last business owner uh, owners who, who took a took a leap of faith in me because I'd never done anything like this before, and they almost mentored me through to to what I am today. And so I was very keen to do that as quick as we could. Um, and now we are in a position we can do that. There's an amazing government um, apprentice. I don't know if it's through the government, but the company we're using is N- NTG Apprentices. It's not the Kickstart scheme. It's uh, NTG, the company's called. And effectively, both these apprentices are getting, a. I think it's the equivalent of a BTEC or an A-level. Um, and they're being paid to work in an environment where they can learn and grow. And it's just incredible. Like, just, I just thought the scheme was fantastic. And that was the reason we took them on. It was just that they so happen to be that young that they're in that sort of way of the world now. So to them, TikTok, Snapchat, all that sort of stuff is, is the norm, whereas to us it wasn't. So we can massively learn from that. That's a huge advantage of, of taking someone from who's born 10, 20 years younger than you are. So I suppose coming to another question then, how have you coped with um, either homeworking or sort of pandemic and changes? And as, is that kind of affecting the way you're, you're going to run the business in the future? Uh, yeah, it will affect it from the future because we're remote working. So I'm actually now down in Kent when I'd usually be up in the office. Um, I've come down for a week to stay with the in-laws once everything's because everything's opened up. Um, we have to adapt like everybody else. We have to close the office down. We had thoughts of getting rid of the office completely. The first month of the pandemic, when we were forced to work from home, everybody was like, this is great. I never want to work in the office again. Fast forward six months, people can't wait to be stuck in traffic and seeing people. Um, it's, it's literally changed on a quarter by quarter basis how people are feeling. And right now we're just we're just flexible. You know, if people want to work from the office, so be it. Um, the current setup is the marketing team are in the office and everybody else is working remote. Um, and partially that's because some of them have moved back to their home um, towns, which is outside of the UK. Some people don't want the commute. Some people have got used to having that flexible working. So we're, we're quite easy with it. I think it was a good thing. For, I think it was a good thing to happen, though. Obviously not the pandemic, but the things that have come out of it uh, with flexible working have been really good. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. We've talked about it a lot, haven't we, John, on this podcast, you know, with other sort of uh, people. And it'd be quite interesting to hear your take on it. Obviously, you were heavily involved, Kevin, in, 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 in the growth of that previous business from, from where you were to, as you said, acting MD at the end. Uh, I guess you would have seen lots of relationships develop amongst the team, lots of friendships develop amongst the team, you know, and we talked about it, didn't we, with uh, Howard Sims actually from Apadme. And one of the things that he said was, you just can't build a culture and you can't gain friendships working from home. So do you think from your perspective, you will try and, you know, work a percentage of the time will it be a split working environment so you can try and build that in there as well uh i me personally i love being in the office but i'm a huge distraction because i shout about everything all of the time and that is uh and i've realized that after this week of being from home being away from the office everybody's really productive um but i think other people i i missed it and yes you're right going back to the old the old business I mean, there's some stuff that's uh, not for uh, before nine o'clock that some of the things we've seen, heard and uh, watched and witnessed with 40 people who average age was probably about 24. It could get a bit crazy. Um, but now I, I totally agree. I think it's very hard to build a culture. I think it's very hard to gain those friendships and gain that trust with one another if you've never met each other before. We were very fortunate because I think 78% of our business now all work together at the previous business. Um, but for the likes of Ollie and Ben, the new apprentices coming in, I just don't think they'd have 
got as much out of it if they were just asked to work from home. Never met anyone, just seen us on camera. They're not picking up on things in the office. They're not learning different conversations that are going on. Um, it's impossible. I think it's almost impossible to get that working from home. Yeah, I completely agree. And I've seen uh, Lewis nodding all the way through that, especially about the bit where you're a massive distraction, mm-hmm. Kevin. So uh, at least, you, you know, part, part of recovery is accepting you have a problem. So well done. Yeah. Got, got, this vision of, got this vision of Kevin running around the office going house to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a loud hailer, just you know, shouting in people's ears. You, you're laughing and you're joking, but it, you're not following. <laughs> again Lewis nodding away Lewis how has it affected like your team and the, the tech side of it you know we're um, I, I put myself in this camp where some tech people are comfortable not working in large groups and being on their own is it have you seen a split across the team or is everyone kind of just adjusted more quickly What what's happening there yeah I think there is a bit of a split and it's kind of funny listening to that because I have always worked remotely actually even pre-pandemic in this role and my previous job as well and for me, that's uh, a way of working that really helps me because because of the distraction thing. Because if I'm having to deliver constantly these kind of you know, refined and well-tested features and pieces of code, as well as integrate everyone else's code together, being in an office, I find that impossible, basically, because of the distraction. Because if, even if someone's not talking to me directly, I'm still getting distracted by them. So I agree that actually it's hard to make a culture remotely because I, you know, I have pre-pandemic gone into the office for these kind of meetings and, and we've done, we had like a retreat kind of thing in Wales where we just stayed for a weekend over doing some sort of leadership exercises, things like that. So, yeah, there is a bit of a split there, I think, definitely. Yeah. Cool. It, sorry, it is quite fascinating, you know, saying that though again, because I mean, yesterday it was um, earlier in the month, it was our fifth year anniversary. And yesterday um, we did a presentation on what our strategy is moving forward, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and um, then afterwards, because of the new um, fact that you can sort of go out from the 17th, you're able to go out um, on tables of six, out, well, tables of six inside. But anyway, you, you know the new rule. So basically, we took a, a few uh, tables out of people and it was it was great to see because a lot of these people had not spent any social time together ever before and all of a sudden they came together and they were so happy it was it was absolutely fascinating and I think this this there's something to be said for that social interaction. I think people didn't realize beforehand how much they needed social interaction until the pandemic. And I think now everyone realizes, actually, I do want to see that person that I probably didn't like before, but actually I really like them now. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I think it's so important because it, it's I just been, think been that, great for me, that Zach. <laughs> I think that you just have to, yeah, you, you have to build a culture within your business. Um, and, and, and that is, it all comes down to your people at the end of the day. I like what you were saying, Kevin, is that it changes quarter by quarter. And you remember right at the start of the pandemic and people were saying, oh, my God, it's so efficient. I can go from one meeting to another. You know, salespeople are like, I can get three, four sales meetings in a day. And then three months later, I've got Zoom fatigue. You know, I'm, I need time yeah. off. I need. And then people start introducing breaks between meetings. And we've got like a no meeting Wednesday and stuff because all the work was getting done online. So you know, we're, we're evolving and we're, I guess we're, you know, we're flipping to one extreme and then back to the other. And I guess we'll find this kind of medium where it goes, oh, this works for me. You know, I want to be in the office today. So, or I don't want to be in the office. I'm happy to do it all from home. I guess that's where we're going, right? We're all, 
Well, right. everyone was a quizzer, weren't they, John? You know, oh, how many God. quizzes did you in the first three months? Only of three last year. Only three. You know, bad at them anyway. No one's going to phone you up now and say, "Do you want to do a quiz tonight over Zoom?" They're going to say, "Do you want to meet in the pub?" <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah, Jackbox Games was one for us. You know, we did a lot of that. But uh, uh, do you guys, um, you know, eat your own dog food? Do you play your own games? Um, we've never played our own game just because it's been getting built. So we've done other stuff. We did once because it's a game show. It's an actual game show. We built with contestants and audience and all that sort of stuff. It's really cool. Um, we did the theory of it in the office. Um, so played the game show without the product. That was quite cool. Brilliant stuff. And so, uh, you know, we talked about trends as well. Are there any kind of, you know, apart from the platform you're building, is there any other things that you've got sort of stowed away that you're thinking about for the future, like long-term plans that you'd really like to bring to the market? Yeah, but we haven't got all day to cover all of those. (laughs) It's It's great to see there's so much evolution going on in that space, isn't it? Like we're still evolving and finding new ways to interact with uh, you know either games or one another or you know you would have think it was all done by now but clearly there's tons this interactive stuff is really fascinating to me i haven't i haven't seen that and i'm, I'm just, you know at the end of this call definitely going to be jumping on having a look at those they sound really interesting you know they could are they things that can be done in a group as well are those or is it generally one person in a screen it's generally just one person yeah. is on the screen and then everybody's watching that one person. Cool. Um, so one, one of the questions I want to ask you then is about, you know, this the launch of your business. How challenging was that? Is there anything you particularly had to, you know, hoops you had to jump through? Well, yeah, loads. Because <laughs> I was still employed <laughs> at the time and they were making us redundant. And so it had that, I didn't really have a break between the crossover of setting things up whilst going through the redundancy process and making sure we did an excellent job of handing over everything to the new business that was taken over from us. So that was quite a big challenge. Fortunately, we started with a team of seven. Didn't have any revenue, so that was another challenge. How do you afford to pay seven people with no money? Again, just did a bit of hustling and we got a, a really good partner that we worked with, um, which was which was great. And then it was all the decisions, as usual, people setting a business up. Is this the right move? Is it going to work? Who should they get on board? Do I want to take investments? Um, there's just loads at the end of the day you just need to make a decision and stick by it and then run with it and that's what we did but yeah there was plenty of challenges Are there any regrets along the way maybe products that you decided invested too much time in or or, or anything like that that you can uh, No I never have regrets because we wouldn't be where we are today and life's very good so I think every I'm a big believer you make a decision it's happened you just got to deal with the best there's no point looking back saying could or would or should have it just is what it is yeah, brilliant, brilliant that attitude. Yeah, I love that. Um, so in relation to the business now moving forward, um, you meant you alluded to some sort of new program or, or finance thing that's going on. So is the business looking to grow substantially over the next couple of years? Are you looking to launch loads of new products? Uh, no, don't necessarily want to launch lots of new products. I think what we want to do is, is launch excellent products. And if that means we launch one every three years, but that one is so good it sticks in the market at that time, and so be it. It could be naive. That might not work. We might end up launching 30 products in three years because the first one didn't work. Um, we won't know until we test it. What we, what we are building is pretty unique, and I don't think there's anything out there that you could compare it to. So when you're doing something like that, it could explode or it could fall flat on its face. Um, but we've got contingency plans. If this one doesn't work, then we'll come up with the next one. If the model doesn't work, we can distribute it elsewhere. Um, it is a multifaceted business, um, what we've created for that very reason, that 
we know this might not work. We're going to give it our best shot, but it just might not take off. Well, it sounds fascinating because of the old game show type scenario. I mean, you know, even you just see it on the TV recently. Alan Carr's relaunched the whole, all the old epic game shows, like, you know, and I'm sat there and saying, oh, yeah, I want to watch this. It's, you know, play your cards right, or it's, yeah, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. It's, you know, you still, you know, I suppose, uh, arguably, my age group, because um, I don't know how old everybody else is, but uh, my age group, you know, that was what you did, didn't you, on a Friday night? You didn't sit there on your phone all night, like, ah, I'm not talking yeah, yeah. to your partner or your family. You know, you used to watch Play Your Cards Right or, or whatever it may be, you know. Um, so, yeah. Game, game shows are massive and, and they've, they've translated really well into the gaming space as well. And, and the IP behind a successful game show is one of the most profitable things I think you probably ever dream up of because, and I didn't realise this until I was going on this journey, if you create a game show and it is a, a massive hit, traditional on TV I'm talking about, and it goes global. I mean, it's just incredible. I don't know if you've ever seen the ITV drama on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah. I mean, that was fascinating to me how that, that was really insightful, and I suggest everybody watches that just to see how well game shows can really do, because that got me really excited. Yeah, I, I found that fascinating, that, you know, how they'd sort of thought, you're talking about the colonel, that, that lieutenant, that that basically yeah, yeah. But it was fascinating on, on that particular point, how... Um, it just hooked everybody. Everyone was just like, you know, whole teams of quizzes just trying to get on the show. Yeah. You know, almost like sort of clogging up the phone line so they could yeah. basically try and get through. It's bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah. So. That's the power of a good game show, I think. And uh, that's what we're hopefully trying to replicate. Um, it's very different to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but the, oh, we're trying to create that same ethos that people are, are really hooked and want to be part of it. And uh, one of the unique things that we've got is in, in the model is anybody could win. It's not necessarily the quickest or the brainiest or the smartest. Actually, anybody could genuinely win just by taking part, um, which is the, the part I get most excited about. Yeah. So I suppose now talking to you, right, you sort of start thinking and you start thinking to yourself, it is fascinating, that old game show thing. You remember so many things from like three, two, one, don't you? You know, all of these things sort of resonate and stick with you. You know, everyone knows that if you go on balls out, you're going to win a speedboat, right? Because you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sticks there, doesn't it? And you remember the show for those factors alone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. A good game show is great to watch. So we just thought, why not be, give the people the chance to take part in it from home? So can I ask you then, Kim, what's kind of the creative process behind building a new game? Is it, you know, is, the, is it all done in-house or do you, know, do you bring in people to do that? And you're sort of the, the testing out the idea to, you know, the build, you know, with you, Lewis, like, and then the launch. What, can, we, can you go through that process or is that all like secret source stuff? No, no, I can tell you there's no secret source stuff. You know, I've never done it before. Bear in mind, it's an idea. I'm dead honest with people when I say it. I had an idea, showed some people who I respected and, and trusted. They thought it was really good. Showed it to my family who play bingo and are actual bingo players, and they ripped it apart. So we built it back up again. Um, <laughs> and then just kept showing it to people and getting their feedback. It's as simple as that to get the idea. Brilliant. Family are great, aren't they? I'll be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> they don't yeah. hold back, which is what you need. Like, that's exactly what you need. I had um, a colleague and, you know, I'd asked for some constructive feedback and he said, oh, no, that's great. That's really nice. I'm like, this isn't helping. And it's very kind. It's not helping. I need to yeah. know why this won't work or what, what's wrong. What's yeah. wrong with it? Yeah, yeah. So we did that. We keep doing it. We still pull it, pull it apart to this day. We've built it in such a way that we can change things. There's nothing too too solid and too cemented in it. If, when, when nothing is certain, anything is possible. And that's what I want to keep it as. I love that saying. 
And Lewis doesn't. He hates it because he just wants to build things. Um, <laughs> but I, I love it. Why do you hate that, Lewis? Well, I like a well-defined spec, as any programmer does. <laughs> Just tell me exactly what you mean. Nothing, <laughs> nothing worse than ambiguity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we have yeah. actually built it in a way that does allow for that because uh, we're using kind of Google Cloud serverless technology, for example, where there's all sorts of layers to how the kind of data flows through the application. And at the core, it's basically a scheduler, which says, you know, you want to run this game every so often. In a, in a defined way on these days. And then, you know, the actual game logic is another part that sits in that system. And then bringing sort of live host chat, that kind of thing that can be dropped into any of those games. So yeah, we, we have built it definitely in a way that's flexible enough for Kev's kind of bi-weekly brainstorms, I think. <laughs> so it's, it's fully modular, like from a tech point of view, that's fully modular in that you can, you know, Lego, Lego blocks, these kind of things together. That's how, that's, that's how the business people talk about, right? So these Lego blocks, I'm sure there's way more to it than that when, when, when push comes to shove, but I, you know, I understand a bit about how React components would work. Um, and obviously sounds like it's going to be really scalable as well. So that's like, you're onto a winner there when you've, when you're in the sort of serverless tech, we've talked about this in, in the past, Zach, and it's, it's a hot topic, isn't it? Serverless. Um, and for all the right reasons, you know, it's a completely different billing model. It's, you know, it scales like heck. It's, uh, yeah, amazing technology. And, um, you know, we, we touch on it in our business and I know a lot of other businesses are trying to get into it, but it um, sounds like you guys have cracked it, which is brilliant. Um, so can I bring you back in again? So, uh, Kevin, is there any advice you would give for anyone sort of setting out now, um, starting other business like yours and it's probably like don't or or but actually any business you know what what's what's the kind of the, the advice you would give someone a family member looking to start their own business in this kind of space uh just in, in this space particularly in the tech and game space yeah let's 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 go with that yeah tech and game you, you've got to get the right people you've got to get the right people around you that's my number one advice you can't do everything on your own you're not good at everything you need to understand where you're good, where you're not good, and then try and build a team around you that believes in the vision. And if people believe in it and they think it's good enough and they believe in you, then anything is possible. But if I don't, I wouldn't give the advice to anyone go and do it on your own uh, ever because it's not fun and it's it's a lot of hard work when it doesn't necessarily need to be. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's all about the people that are around you. You might have the vision, you might have the ideas, you might have the energy, the enthusiasm. And I can imagine, Kevin, you have it in bundles because you know, you're fun to talk to. But, you know, you have to have those people around you because you can't do everything. And you've got to make sure that they buy into that vision and want to drive it forward because you can only ever take something so far. You know, and there afterwards, it's all of those people that are around you that believe in it that want to take it forward with you as well. And I think, you know, what you've got there, I mean, it was the perfect storm for you with the redundancies, um, which, you know, and now you've got this team who are going to drive it forward with you, who know you and believe in you. And also the fact that you've done it before, which is, you know, fantastic. And, I, you know, I wish you all the very best on that, by the way. And I, I, knew, you would, I knew you would jump on that one, Zach, because you've said almost exactly the same before when we've been talking that it's the people, 100% it's the people. And if you think you're the the smartest person in the room, then you're obviously got the, not got the right people around you because you, you know, you need the experts in every field, the sales and the tech and the, the finance and everything. Uh, Lewis, I'm going to sort of twist that question a little bit around for you. So what do you think is kind of the secret to, 
or, or, or advice you would give to anyone trying to build a tech team? You know, what's, you know, do you have um, a certain kind of, uh, not it's not skills, right? Or what you would go for in sort of soft skills or, or personalities or culture? I think it honestly is enthusiasm in a way. As long as someone gets the basics of the technology that you're using, the enthusiasm will drive them to actually learning and becoming competent and becoming skilled and then an expert. And you can have six experts working on your product, but if they don't care about the product and they don't kind of get on with the people in the business, then they're not going to be producing their best work. And you can bring in someone like these apprentices, for example, and they'll be kind of running with it in no time, basically. Yeah. How, how important do you think, you know, caring about the product is? And I'm, I'm thinking back to a time, you know, in, in previous roles I've had where people, they, they like tech and they liked the tech, but not necessarily the product. It didn't, it, they were a bit ambivalent about it. How important do you think that is? I think it's really important. It's probably the number one thing, actually, because yeah. this is something that you're bringing into existence from nothing. Like you, you have to really care about a product to do that. And if you're just there to write some code because you like a particular piece of tech, you're going to get bored of it very quickly and you're going to write bad code. You're going to not really care about the result as much as you would if you were really behind it, I think. Yeah. yeah it's a fascinating angle, that. I've never heard that angle, but it's so true from a, from a developer's perspective, like you say, about getting bored with it, not being behind it. it. It's probably exactly the same in all walks of life. You've got to be into it, haven't you? You know, And I've said this you know, in particular, when we bring people into into our business, you know, I've seen some really, really super successful people that have come into recruitment, but gone, I really love doing it. I really love F1. I love Formula One. And they've gone out and they've gone after finding engineering people in Formula One businesses because it's fascinating. It really interests them and they want to be part of it. So it's exactly the same. So that, that's a really interesting angle to look at it, Lewis. Is um, it something you build into the, you know, the uh, screening process, Zach, when you're, how much of that do you think comes comes out when you're screening people, when you're looking for people for a business, say, this is the product, this is, you know, because I know some of the other businesses we've had on here, there's a big, there are big brand names too, and they're, you know, they're, that's a big attraction for some candidates. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, our job as a recruiter, particularly in the tech world, uh, or anything sort of technical, um, is we can't do anything from a tech perspective because all we can do is ask the questions we might understand the market really really well but until you see somebody's code you don't know do you so we can only ask questions around it understand what their attitude what they're into the type of environments that they look for so we understand that part you know but even with my own business you know a look at and a lot of it comes down to attitude i always employ on attitude you know, if you take if you take the technical part out of it from 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 these guys' perspective, but if I employ somebody within Chroma to come and work there, the questions that I'm questioning is all about your attitude. Do you have the right attitude? Are you committed? Are you humble? You know, so so our, our four values are humility, commitment, teamwork, and respect. You know, and I think if you've got that humility, you can work together with people, and you've got the right attitude, you can do anything in life. It's all about attitude. You know, you've seen a gazillion people who were highly, highly, highly educated and, and, and not been successful. And you've seen a gazillion people who are highly educated and have been successful. And equally, a gazillion people that aren't educated, but they've got an amazing attitude and they're super successful. And those that haven't, it's just the way it is. It's, it's, it's totally down to you how far you want to go with anything in life for me. And I think that's what's the difference in, in any walk of life. 
So, um, yeah, so just to finish off, uh, Kevin and Lewis, thanks so much for your time and thanks for coming on the show today. We really, really appreciate it. Um, but one thing that I've sort of made me laugh, going back to the bingo thing, Kevin, actually. So my kids are massively into chocolate bingo and we used to do it at school to raise money for school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, however, it's all moved online over the past sort of year and we've been doing chocolate bingo and our kids are super excited about it. And, uh, you know, there was the classic numbers, wasn't it? So 22, two little ducks and all the others that used to come out. And uh, the, the bingo host the other day, uh, it was about a week ago, she said, like, whichever number and came up with something and another number and came up with something. And then she then went, COVID. And I just thought, what's she saying? And she went, number 19. <laughs> <laughs> Can you add that to your call, caller's call, Kevin, please, for uh, us? We could, but having, I noticed some football um, fans were turning up to the stadium with 19 COVID on the back and it didn't go down well, so I think you might uh, avoid that one. Yeah, maybe. It's <laughs> fascinating what comes out of these things. So. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Kevin and Lewis, thank you very much for coming on today. You've been absolute stars. I've definitely learned loads about attitude and energy and about caring for your product and obviously caring for your people. Um, so there's so, so much there to, um, to listen to and, and to get a hold of. Um, thanks you for listening again to our podcast. As usual, if you want to get in touch with us, contact us via our LinkedIn page uh, or directly through either myself, Zach uh, or John. Thank you very much. <laughs>